Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only TC Todd Quarter in the house. And we have Wayne Ridenauer in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Again, this is ATL Prime Sports. You can find us at ATL Prime Sports. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, please give us a like, a review, subscribe, whatever you do, please do it. Uh, personals at JJ get you one for myself at RWY Junior for Wayne and at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter, and I'll go ahead and throw it to you, Todd. How you doing tonight, man? Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while. Been pretty busy. Uh, actually, uh, chilled out tonight and watched an episode of uh, the old Seinfeld episodes uh, back in the day, back in the '80s. The episode I watched, you'll probably laugh, was the uh, the Sponge. I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> But uh, that's one of the old classic Seinfeld episodes that I watched. So I've been just chilling out, been working quite a bit. Just got uh, back from California not too long ago, broadcasting USA Nationals for hockey. So I'm glad to be back on with you fellas. Wayne, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I kind of wanted to mention something that uh, it's – it, I'm just going to put this out there based on some of the things that are currently happening. And I would save this to the end, but I know a lot of folks uh, that watch the videos, they can't make it quite to the end. You know, either they've got to, you know, they're next up at bat, so they got to go into the uh, warm-up uh, circle there and batter's box or whatever they call it. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff happening in our country that uh, I think could be avoided. And I'm just going to put this out there. And you got my Twitter thing down there. Anybody can DM me. But if you are thinking about or planning on shooting anyone, contact me first because I'd like to talk about some alternatives. I don't need to know your name. I don't need to know the situation. I'd just like to discuss some alternatives with you, some other things that you might want to consider apart from that. Uh, just wanted to put that out there. Well said. Lots, uh, too much violence going on in the country. Um, folks, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I feel really good about myself because I saw Lamar Jackson golfing, and I might not be the worst golfer in the world anymore. Saw Lamar, <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson putting it in with a seven iron, uh, no golf etiquette. I might be able to beat Lamar Jackson in golf, but only for about two weeks because He's a major major athlete, professional one at that. Guarantee you next time he goes golfing, he'll probably break 100 because they're just that athletic. Folks, what's on tap for today's show? Uh, the worst closeout game in sports history, possibly. Uh, some Braves chatter, and we'll get into Falcons, rookie, minicamp, orientation, whatever you want to call it. Let's tee this thing off. The Phoenix Suns lost Game 7 of the Western Conference Semifinals, 123-90. to they were down 40 points at one point. Was this the worst closeout game team-wise? And obviously no football's related. Closeout games only. Was this the worst closeout game performance in sports history? Todd, I'll start it off with you, man. I would I would say go back to, uh, since we're here in Atlanta, uh, 2019, uh, the game five between uh, St. Louis and Atlanta. What was it? The uh, NL. It was the NLDS where St. Louis right. scored ten runs at Truist Park before a quarter of the folks could sit down after having a beer or a hot dog, uh, get to their seat, and they're already down ten nothing. 
a lot of people went and then turned around and actually went home, gave up on the team. There were stories all over town about it. That's one of them that comes to mind. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> I mean, to be down 10 nothing in the first inning, but, you know, you talked about that basketball game. Um, uh, what was it between uh, Phoenix and Dallas? What, what They were down 40. I mean, that's you didn't show up if you're down 40. I mean, that's that's right there up top with the Braves down 10 nothing before they could even bat. Yeah, I, I think it, you could put the Phoenix Suns in that category as one of the worst performances in a closeout game in sports history. You mentioned the Braves in 2019. Uh, we're here in Atlanta, folks. Todd and I are, so that has to be my answer. It's got to be the 2019 Braves. Uh, Todd, we agree. Ten runs in the first inning. I think uh, Fulton Evich gave up seven or eight of them uh, right there before you even got two outs. I mean, it was six, seven, nothing before they even got two outs. Um, it, it was honestly the most mind-boggling thing I've ever seen in a closeout game where at the time it was a postseason record. Ten runs in the first inning. Well, the Braves said, hold my beer the next season. They gave up 11 in the 2020 NLCS Game 3, but that wasn't a closeout, so we don't have to worry about that one. But that was a bad performance in general. Um, But we could turn the tables, and we could say it was the St. Louis Cardinals in a closeout game in uh, game six or seven of the 1996 NLCS, in which they lost 15 to nothing against our Atlanta Braves. So uh, the Braves could be on the worst end or the best end of that spectrum, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, but down 40 in a closeout game in the NBA playoffs, that's just terrible. Chris Paul didn't show up to play. Uh, just unbelievable, uncharacteristic for the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, they've been playing great lights out all year. Booker, Paul, Aiton down low. And then they go out and put up a performance like that. Wayne, what say you? What's the worst performance in a closeout game that you can remember? And you can open it up to all sports, my friend. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't really recall a closeout game, more, uh, so to speak. But um, I do recall... When I was uh, going to school at the University of Memphis, it was Memphis State back then, we played uh, University of Tennessee uh, at Neyland Stadium, and I think we got blown out like 22 to 44, and that was a m- absolutely miserable game because I had to sit up there in a the stand in the rain with my uniform on, holding a tuba, uh, suffering through that whole game. But, you know, <clears throat> Memphis Grizzlies had the potential to have a pretty bad blowout game or maybe even the uh, Clippers because, uh, or Golden State, because uh, both of those teams in their series had really bad games that they got blown out on. So there was a potential there that there could have been a big blowout closeout on that one. But, you know, it ended up with uh, Golden State moving on, and I guess they will face uh, the Mavericks. Yeah, we'll uh, stick with the conference finals theme here. They are set uh, in the East. You have the Heat versus the Celtics. The one versus two seeds there. Game one is Tuesday night, 8.30, tip-off of uh, ESPN in Miami. Uh, Miami's a two-point favorite going into that one. And the West is the Mavericks and Luka Doncic 
who will forever be remembered in Atlanta history as maybe we should have taken Luka instead of Trey, or if you're on the Trey side, you're okay. So Mavericks Warriors game one Wednesday night at 9 p.m. That's at Golden State at the Chase Center. Uh, Golden State is a five-point favorite in game one going in. Uh, guys, any final thoughts on uh, lopsided games, closeout games in sports history or the uh, NBA Conference Finals here? I'll, I'll take you way back, and, and, and we'll switch from the hard court to the ice. Um, the, back in 42, the Leafs came back to defeat the Red Wings in the 1942 Stanley Cup. Uh, Detroit was uh, uh, up 3-0, to zero and they lost four straight. So... Um, yeah, the wings blew that. You could stick with hockey. Uh, 26 teams have trailed 3-0 in a Stanley Cup final since 39. The only 3-0 comeback was the Cup final between Toronto and, and, and Detroit. I remember in 75, I do remember this game, the Islanders, uh, you know, they came back. They were down 3-0 to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the quarterfinals, and they won four straight. Uh, a gentleman named S. Ed Westfall uh, recalled, he, I remember uh, seeing his winning goal in Game 7, you know, after the Pens been up 3-0 in the series. Uh, sticking with hockey, the Flyers were down to the Bruins in the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. down 3-0, uh, you know, later, back in 2010, that didn't come to 45 years later, and the Flyers shocked the Bruins with four straight and made their way to the Cup Finals uh, where they fell short to the Blackhawks in uh, six games. Um, I remember the Kings, uh, they won four straight over the Sharks in the Western Conference quarterfinals. Uh, that was in 2012. So the NHL has had some miraculous comebacks. Also, if you go back to, uh, you know, the year the Red Sox won the World Series, I believe well, I that was, huh? I said, I'm glad you said it. Uh, Red yeah, Sox. The, the, the Yankees were the up three zero in, in the, baseball history. Yeah. Yeah, they were up a, a three up uh, up three zero in the ACLS with Mariano Rivera ready to close it out in, in Boston in Game Four. And if you remember, Dave Roberts is what got that going. The current Dodger manager, and, and the Red Sox won four straight. That was the year of the bloody sock with Kurt Schilling and. Uh, you know, that Big was a hockey. miraculous comeback, too. Yeah, David Ortiz had a heck of a uh, last four games in that series. I'm glad you mentioned that one. That has to be mentioned in here. Uh, all four of those games were technically closeout games for the Yankees. They could have won each and every one of them, and they would have been AL champions. Um, folks, let's hey, go let ahead. And... You, can I, JJ, can I ask you a trivia question? Um, let's do it. What NBA coach has lost the most Game 7s in, in, in pro basketball history? You know what that is? This is a uh, – um, Doc Rivers. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, Doc Rivers, Rivers. Has, has been unbelievably bad in Game 7s. We He just lost one recently. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers owner and GM says they're sticking with them. Uh, that is uh, something that that NBA fans all over are, are, are talking about is Doc Rivers' record in Game Sevens. It's, it's not very good. Well said, KJ. It's 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 really incredible because you look at the coaching and, and, and playing career of Doc Rivers. You know he has lost the most Game Sevens. He has a three forty one win percentage and you know closeout games among clo coaches with twenty plus games. 
But, you know, he's won the championship as a coach uh, with the Celtics. He's had a lot of success. He was an outstanding player here for the Atlanta Hawks playing with Neek. So, uh, and Tree Rollins. Uh, so, you know, Doc, River, or Doc Rivers has had quite a uh, distinguished uh, professional basketball career, but he does have that mark to his name. But, uh, you know, to me, coaches coach and players play. It's more on his players than it is him. Well said. Let's move on. Let's talk a little Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball. The Braves blew leads in two of the three games versus the Padres over the weekend. Let's talk some chop, break it down. We'll get a couple storylines going here. Look, the Braves were under 500 for most of the year last season. Um, should Braves fans press the panic button on the season yet? Todd, I'll go with you again, man. Oh, it's way too early for that. What is Atlanta, 16 and 19 going into the, this broadcast? So, uh, you know, they do have a litmus test coming up with Milwaukee, who's first in the Central, and the Brewers, I believe, are 22 and 13. So, uh, no. I mean, last year Atlanta was, what, uh, 52 and 55 on August first or second and they you know you know they wheeled off an incredible run on their way to the world series they defeated milwaukee they defeated the dodgers and they defeated the astros so uh, you know the braves were helped out because san francisco and uh la had to to play each other two uh two teams that won the giants won 176 107 games and the dodgers won in 106 that was kind of a break for atlanta but that's that's the way it goes but it's 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 too early. I mean, it just is. Now, I don't think the NL East is going to um, uh, bail out the Braves. You know, last year they were kind of bailed out because every team, you know, the Mets were just above 500 at that point. I'm expecting the Mets to have a better record on August 1st this year than they did last year, even though they're what five and five in their last ten. There's a lot of parity in the National League when you you know when you look at it. Atlanta has what the tenth best record. They're tied with Pittsburgh in the loss column. The NL West, every team is above 500. We'll see how that shakes out when they start playing each other uh, with a little more frequency. But um, you know, Atlanta really to me needs to make hay with the club with the teams that are under 500. Those are the clubs then Atlanta needs to take three out of four and two out of three and et cetera and, and not split and win those series convincingly. You know, you look at the Braves, J.J., they have had just an, a, you know, an immense trouble with runners in scoring position. They strike out a lot, led by Dansby, who strikes out more than anybody in baseball. Um, this is a club that doesn't hit and run, doesn't really steal a base. Um, you, you know, you're playing station-to-station baseball in an area where everybody is not hitting for average, and, and their only way to fix that, to me, is to, to put the fences back and raise the mound, get rid of the shift. I was for it for a while, making these guys hit the other way, but they're, they're, they're into their way, they're into the launch angle, and to me, you do those three things, you'll change the game of baseball, uh, I've mentioned it numerous times. You'll start seeing a singles and doubles and, and triples game and, you know, the stolen base and the hit and run and the bunt, the sacrifice, because, you know, that, that stuff can all come back even though there are DHs now 
unfortunately, in, in each league, in the National League, it kills me that it is because I used to love that style of ball. But um, this is a Braves club that has a lot of potential, and Alex Anthopoulos is not afraid to pull the trade trigger. You know, you know one more thing, and then I'll let you comment. Sorry. Um, uh, you know, Acuna, they haven't had him very long, and when they did get him, he's not healthy. He's the guy that needs to get on base. I don't know if you hit him in the leadoff spot or if you hit him in the three-hole, but to me, you, you bat Acuna and, and, and Ozzy one and two, I think he could jumpstart this offense, get these guys running when they're on base, and let the meat of the order drive them in. Yeah, I think it's a little too early as well to press the panic button. Uh, but there is a difference between this year and last year, and you mentioned it. The Mets are actually playing good baseball. When the Mets are playing good baseball, it's good for Major League Baseball, but it's not good for your Atlanta Braves right now. You mentioned they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Braves are right around that number as well. They are. As we do this broadcast, they're six and a half back, so it's way too early to press the panic button. Um the Braves' biggest weakness right now, and you mentioned that as well, it's hitting with runners in scoring position. They were 0 for 7. 0 for 7 Sunday in a 7 to 3 extra inning loss. Uh, they were 3 for 7 with runners in scoring position on Saturday's win, and that's about where you want to be, right in that range 3 for 7, 3 for 8, 4 for 8. They, they actually, in the series versus the Padres, hit the ball pretty well with runners in scoring position. Uh, Swanson, you mentioned him. He's actually one of the better hitters in baseball the last three weeks, but that strikeout rate is extremely high, and that all comes back to getting the runners on, getting them over, and getting them in. The Braves just aren't doing that right now. Look, 3-for-14 in the last two games is unacceptable for a championship ball club. You have to do better at the small stuff. You mentioned stealing bases. Ronald Acuna Jr. at that leadoff spot, a walk, a single, can easily turn into a man in scoring position when he's healthy. He's out of the lineup Monday night. He's missed uh, two or three consecutive games with a with a growing injury. Hopefully that doesn't grow on him all season and, and nag at him all season. And now you have to bring into the question, can Ronald Acuna stay healthy? With the way he plays and then what he means to this lineup, they have to have him at the top of that lineup. They have to have him at second base when Matt Olson's up. They need to get Oz, him to drive in the run. Then you have Ozzy Albies later on. You got to get the guys who are fast on base. You mentioned stealing. I hope they start running more. That'll put players in better positions later on down in the lineup. And that's the biggest problem with the Braves right now is runners in scoring position. They can't get them in, Todd. They just can't. It's it's a problem throughout Major League Baseball, you know. Indeed. And and, and Atlanta's pitching. Let's 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 just say it's it's been good. I don't Very. know if it's been great. You, you look at the Yankees; they're the ones that are really pitching. They're pitching yeah. great. They are getting some clutch hitting, and they're off to a a fantastic start. You look at the Dodgers; they they. They struggled with the Phillies. They came back and won yesterday. It's a long season. There are peaks and valleys. But if you want to make this game more exciting, you've got to change three things. I think you just got to get rid of the shift. You got to put it. You got to bring the. You got to push the fences back, and, and you've got to raise the mound. And these guys have got to start trying to hit for average instead of launching the ball. I, I mean, agree. the approach to me at the plate 
you've got two strikes on you. You should be trying to, you know, try to drive the ball the other way. And instead, you're trying to launch it out of the park. But the game has changed today. It is a different game than I seen when I was younger. Indeed it is, which brings us to our last question for the Atlanta Braves topic tonight. Can they still win the division? I think they can do it. They're going to have to keep pace with the Mets, as we mentioned earlier in this broadcast. If they don't keep up with the Mets right now, you can't win a division in April and May, but you sure can lose one. If they get 10-12 back by the end of the month, that's going to be a real tough hole to dig out of. But yes, they can still win it. Todd, what say you, buddy? I don't see them getting 10 or 12 back at the end of the month. I'm not sure how, you know, everybody has the Mets. You listen to a lot of, a lot of the national publications. They're picking them to win it. Uh, to me, they need to get a healthy DeGrom back to get them over the top. And we don't know when and if he is. I mean, he's going to pitch sometime this year because he'll try it. Um, but he's just starting to play catch. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a long way. The trade deadline, I can tell you right now, we saw what Anthopolis did with that outfield last year. He's not afraid to make changes, and he'll make some wholesale changes if necessary. And, and I, I tell you what, he will pull the trigger on whatever whatever budget that Liberty Media gives them. And evidently it's not the budget to keep Freddie Freeman, but that's a story for another day. But, um, it, you know, the, they'll give him the resources. And Alex is a really good GM. He makes the most of, of – of the resources that are given to him. Uh, you know, Atlanta does have some farm system folks that they can trade for uh, if they want to, but that's not the Braves' way. I mean, they're usually the one to pick up somebody from a farm system instead of get rid of them, so getting rid of them. So we'll see. It's sure they can win the division. This is a veteran club. They're just not going to be bailed out. I'm not sure if the wild card is going to come from the East this year. It's too 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 early to tell. It may each of them make you know two could come from the West, one from the Central. You know nobody talks about St. Louis, but look where they are. They're sitting right there on Milwaukee's tail. We'll have to find out. It's long season. Wayne, we'll we'll throw it to you, and we'll we'll do a soft toss for your Texas Rangers. They currently sit at fourteen and nineteen as we do this broadcast. Eight back of the Astros. What do you think of your Rangers, man? You well, given up on the season yet? No, I have not given up on the season yet, but uh, similar to Atlanta, they're starting a three-game series. Uh, uh, Texas with a, uh, a divisional team, and so they really need to win these three games. However, uh, John Gray appears to be uh, trying his best to get as many of the Los Angeles Angels players on base as possible. Because it's, we're not even out of the first half of the first inning. It's three to nothing, and uh, I just don't know. I, I, don't be surprised if John Gray's ERA goes above uh, five and a half after this game. Well, I, I tell you what, if I may say, the Angels are a club that is a pleasant surprise to me. And you know, you talk about one of the best players in the game, and that's Otani. I mean, he's this generation's Babe Ruth. Not only can he pitch. But he can hit, and he can hit for average at least. And 250, 260 average in today's game is way above average. And, Absolutely. And, and this guy doesn't just hit uh, home runs. He hits doubles in the gap. He is really 
a lot of speed. He's a big guy. And when you look at the Angels, they're full of big stars and big players. Obviously, Trout and uh, the other gentlemen, the outfield and Ward. I mean, this yeah. just a this is a um, um, this is a club that uh, is going to give Houston, which I didn't think would happen, but they're going to give them a run for their money in the West. They'll they have the resources at the deadline to make a trade, and with Joe Madden at the helm, he had a lot of success in Tampa. That NL West is going to be a two-team horse race till the end. I mean, AL West, excuse me. It, it will be. Uh, the Angels are currently tied with the Astros um, at the top of the standings. Not record-wise, though. 23-12 and 12 for the Astros, 24-13 and 13 for the Los Angeles Angels. Speaking of, former Angels player Albert Pujols. You mentioned Babe Ruth. You got to mention it. Albert Pujols just moved in the same category as Babe Ruth as the only players in Major League Baseball history with 600-plus home runs and a pitching appearance, baby. ERA 36, 66.3-mile-an-hour fastball, baby. Bring in the heat. <laughs> Jesus. That's a, I, mentioned, I, I saw you all mention that earlier, and I had to bring up Jose Canseco because that's the first time I hear about somebody pitching that really shouldn't be pitching. That's the first one I think of. <laughs> all right, folks, that wraps up our Braves topic for the evening. Let's go to our final topic for the night. Uh, Falcons rookie camp finished up Sunday. Let's talk some off-season storylines for our Dirty Birds. Look. Anxious to hear TC's answer on this one. Will third-round draft pick Desmond Ritter compete for the starting job this season? I, I think he's going to play. I mean, is he going to get the starting job? We're going to find out in camp. But I love this kid's confidence. He's going for the starting job. He said it publicly in the papers. Uh, it's out there. Um, his goal is to win a Super Bowl before he leaves Atlanta. I mean, he's got big ideas and big goals. Uh, he's not afraid to, to to say that he's going after Mar Marcus Mariota's job, even though the Falcons have signed him for two years and he's played under Coach Smith. And uh, and and Ritter's already uh, had a rapport with uh, with London, the uh, wide receiver the Falcons took in the first round uh, in the in the draft. He's already developed a nice rapport with Drake Young, and 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 that's something that's that's really smart on Ritter's part. He's the first one in the building, and the last one out of the building. Say the coaches are saying that he's putting in extra time. So wow, I mean, just think if he does start and he has a good season, you, you're really thrilled if you are the Falcons, because not only do you not have to, uh, when you pick next year, you don't have to worry about getting a quarterback, but you can build your team really cheap like Dallas did with Dak Prescott. They got Dak was in the fourth no. round for Dallas. You can build the team really expensive knowing you've got this quarterback on a five-year deal and it's not even a first-round deal. Think about that. If this kid does play well. Nailed um, it on the head. Oh, my gosh. Think about the possibilities. Now, if he doesn't play well, that doesn't mean he's not the quarterback of the future because when I look at this Falcons roster, 
Um, there are many holes on each side of the ball, and they really haven't done anything to improve the offensive line, which is a major concern. So back to where can he start? Yes. I think Arthur Smith's the type of coach where if he beats out Marcus in camp, he's going to start. If not, Mariota's going to start. If he doesn't do well or he struggles or he gets hurt and he has a lot of history of being hurt, does Mariota um, you're gonna, you, you'll see Rizman, uh, Ritter, excuse me, in there, um, Desmond Ritter in there, and you're gonna have competition. But uh, you look at this roster, <laughs> a ton of holes on each side of the ball. We, I mean, we could we could do an entire podcast on the roster. We don't have that time, but <laughs> yes, he certainly could. We could we could do an entire podcast on this roster. This is a roster to me. <laughs> that it, I mean, look at it. It's a four or five win team, and ah. you know, you know. So go ahead. Yeah, no, we we agree on the four or five win team. This roster, eh, eh, that's all we'll say. It's shaky, but I like the fact that Desmond Ritter's got this confidence about him. I like the fact that he's going out there and says, "I want to win a Super Bowl." To me, that is shows, hey, I'm ready to be a leader of this football club. I'm ready to come in and play ball. Uh, he's not scared of competition. I love that. And look, I watched Desmond Ritter throw all over UGA's prize secondary in the Peach Bowl just two seasons ago. Competed against Alabama pretty well with a under a, chi- uh, uh, a F, uh, uh, group of five school, the first one to ever get there. So he's got accolades. Will he start off the gate? I don't think so. Going against air and and on these drills to get the timing down and just kind of see where the coaches uh, where you stand with what the coaches want you to do. That's what rookie rookie camp was all about. He did that. He knocked it out the park. So will he start? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Marcus Mariota. This is his team to lose. He's got one more shot in the NFL and this is it. So I'm going to say no to the answer. I don't think he'll be the starting quarterback week one. But if he competes his ace off. And he gets there, and he is the guy through training camp. He will get the job. No doubt about it, Arthur Smith's going to play the best one for the job. Let's go into the wide receivers that have just been added. Uh, We talked uh, Brian Edwards was a new addition uh, late in the week last week. The Falcons acquired former Packers and Lions wide receiver Geronimo Allison as well. I mentioned that's why they went Drake London with the first overall pick. Is because they could not rely on Alameda Zacchaeus and 31 receptions and 400 plus yards. They needed somebody else, a deep threat like Edwards, who averaged over 16 yards a catch and with his 34 catches got over 500 yards. Uh, still three touchdowns apiece versus him and Zacchaeus. Uh, Allison, he had 34 receptions in 2019, I think my notes say. Yeah, with the Packers, sat out 2020. And then it played sparingly in three games worth the Lions. So that's kind of a, a lottery ticket there. But you feel you still feel like the more wide receivers you bring in, the more depth you have at that position, the more competition you have there, and it should overall be better. What uh Wayne TC, uh what what say you about the newest addition in the wide receivers? Uh and actually I'll go back and I'll ask Wayne, do you think Ritter is gonna be a starter? Yeah, I don't think Ritter's going to be a starter this year. Uh, I would say Ritter's year is going to be 2023. Um, And this is going to sound crazy, but I have to let my fan 
speak before my brain does. And uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Falcons went 14 and four. Uh, I've got a feeling they're going to lose uh, at Cincinnati. They're going to lose at Los Angeles. They're going to lose at New Orleans, and they're going to lose uh, at Tampa Bay. That's going to be the only God, four games they lose. God I'll tell you what, you. two things real quick. Wayne, I'm, we need to drug test you while we're on the show. Number two, you can head to that place in North Carolina and Murphy there and put on, if the Falcons uh, you know, win that many games, you're going to win a boatload of money because <laughs> the odds of that, according to Vegas, are really low. So if you put down, say, 50 bucks, Go up to Murphy. That drive will be worth it from Memphis or wherever you're nearest. I know that Murphy's pretty close for me. I've been up to that, up to Caesar's Sportsbook. I can go down to to Tupelo and place bets too. Oh, I was going to ask you if there's a place close to you. I just happened to mention that because that's close to uh, that's pretty close to me. So yeah, go ahead and do that. But at the same time, get the trends out, the trends out the needle because we're going to drug test you at the end of the show. (laughs) Well, you know, if, if I, JJ, can I say one thing about Desmond Ritter? This kid, you know, he's from Louisville, and you know, he was not highly recruited. Cincinnati was his D one offer, so you know, people have told him forever he can't do it, and he's got a big chip on his shoulder. And he was drafted in the third round, so this to him, I can't do it. I'll show you again. I love it. You were asking about the receivers, if I could answer that really quick. Look, Please. to me, the moment the Falcons decided to to trade their best quarterback, which is Matt Ryan in franchise history, for a bag of donuts, I put this on Twitter. I know it was for cap relief in the future, but they decided their fate this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, here's the deal. These are the type of trades that this club has to make because they've been in salary cap hell from previous administration. And when you look at this roster that head coach Arthur Smith has and the staff, they've got their work cut out for them. You know, experts are predicting five wins. I really don't disagree with them. And I'm not saying that Byron Edwards is not going to have a good season because, you know, he was a third-round pick. He could have a career year. He'll get plenty of chances with his wide receiver core. But there's so many holes on both sides of the ball. Edwards could have him a great season and make him a a ton of money in the future. So, you know, these guys are all playing for checks. They're bringing them all in from other organizations that have let them go, that are done with them, that are moving on. So these players, if they want to keep getting that paycheck, they should be extremely hungry. And if people are extremely hungry – they can and will overachieve. So th- this will at least be an interesting season for me. For yeah, interesting to say the least. And uh, my final comment on these wide receivers, six foot three, six foot four, <laughs> huge. Then you have Kyle Pitts. We know his height. This is your big boy wide receivers that can box out, basically play basketball in the air, catch the ball at the highest point. That can help out a quarterback more than anything, especially one that's going to be what, Todd? Running for his life. Could that's be. what Marcus Marriott is going to be doing this year. So the, 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 the Falcons have to rely on these big wide receivers to make box out over the uh, back shoulder catches and hopefully get some yak yards after the catch there. So you think Cordell Patterson is going to run more than he is at receiver? 
I mean, yeah, according I think to the, I think when I look at the, oh, I'm sorry, Jake, saying, when I look at the Falcons depth chart, I see Cordell Patterson's the number one guy. And, you know, they've got Damian Williams and they just, you know, got the kid that you mentioned here um, uh, from BYU with a similar system. Tyler yeah, Tyler Algier. So, you know, but the, you know, whoever is the quarterback, they're going to have to run the ball. Um, you know, fullback Keith Smith is an important part of the offense because he's an important blocker. Look, if they could just average a little over three yards running the ball, it would set up everything else nicely. So it's up to this offensive line to vastly improve from a year ago. It just is. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if the O-line doesn't improve, it, it doesn't matter what your, <laughs> your other personnel is. You're in big trouble, and, 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 and that's why Matt Ryan's out of here besides the contract. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. My other storyline from this camp, we just mentioned his name, running back Tyler Algier out of BYU. He says he sees similarities in the Falcons playbook and the BYU running scheme. That was per AJC.com and a nice little article there. Listeners, go check it out. Um, that should help him transition to the NFL. Uh, guys, any final thoughts on uh, comments, questions, anything about the Falcons right quick? Wayne, TC? Uh, to me, I'll end it where I said it earlier. This is the reason why the Falcons are making these type of secondary not headline new uh, uh, moves because, again, the previous administration put them in salary cap hell, and this is what, the, you know, the new administration has to work with until, you know, Matt Ryan is, 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 you know, the cap hit is completely off the books. Well said. Very well said. Uh, I won't even I won't even add on to that because that's exactly what's happening. Falcons fans, look forward to next year, 100-plus million clears. Wayne, any final yeah. thoughts on the Falcons, buddy? Yeah, I'm still sticking with 14-4 uh, and four for next year. And, uh, Todd, Todd, I've actually so, so, got – So the Falcons are going to go 14-3 and three and lose in the first round is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I, and as far as the drug test goes, Todd, I've got a, uh, a coupon here for uh, get out of uh, one drug test free, and I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> Just send it over to Box and Amazon. Yeah. Oh, folks. Well, that about wraps up our show for the evening. Uh, we'll, we'll go to our closing thoughts on the show. Um, I, I'll start this with off PGA Tours this week. Uh, championship uh, is this weekend. Uh, Phil did withdraw his name earlier in the week. Uh, so enjoy the PGA Championship this weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, my favorite this weekend. I like Rory. I think he's gonna he's gonna come out of nowhere and win the PGA Tour Championship. Uh, Wayne TC, final thoughts on the show this evening, fellas. No, uh, mine is if if you're watching any sport right now, to me it's got it's it's got to be the NHL. Yeah. I mean, there are just so many. Uh, there were eight, you know, the, of the first round series. There were eight of them. Five went to Game Seven. Okay, the the two games that went to game uh, the two games that went to uh, game seven yesterday each were decided in overtime, uh, where the Rangers uh, uh, defeated uh, Pittsburgh and the Calgary Flames, who used to be here in Atlanta, Atlanta Flames. Um, uh, you know they they defeated the Stars, and you know Shesterkin 
uh, was outstanding in uh, in net for the Rangers. He struggled in games five and six and four in the series a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have his A game, but he did have his A game in, in, in game seven. There was some controversy on when a player had his helmet come off. Uh, we don't. I don't need. We don't have time to get into that. But uh, you know, and then of course for Dallas. You know, their goalie made 60, uh, let's see, what was it, 64 saves yesterday. I mean, you know, Jake Ottinger, um, you know, a star was born in for the Dallas Stars, even though they lost that series in seven, which now sets up the Battle of Alberta between uh, Calgary and uh, Edmonton, and that's in the west and the other. You know, St. Louis is an underdog to Colorado, Colorado swept um, uh, Nashville. That was the only series where there really wasn't, you know, uh, the games were, the Nashville got blown out the first game. The other three are relatively close. The other two series win six games. And then when I look at the other side of the bracket, it's the battle for the Everglades between Tampa and Florida. That, to me, is a heavyweight bout. And then the other final, the Rangers, who, you know, I thought Pittsburgh let them off the hook. Uh, you know, now they're going to play uh, Carolina. Uh, and the Hurricanes uh, looked awfully impressive when they played Boston. Uh, that went seven games, and it lit- home ice literally and figuratively decided the series because the Canes won all four in Raleigh, and Boston won all of them at the TD Garden. So, when you look at these eight clubs that are left, and, 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 and any one of them can win it, are there some favorites? Sure. I mean, I think Colorado comes out of the West and the East. Golly, I, until somebody defeats the uh, Tampa Bay, I, I I don't know. Florida had the best record, the President's Trophy. They may do it, but guys, I I, I you know. The heartbreak for you, Wayne, is it, it, it is Toronto. I mean, they were up three to two on the champs, and and really, Wayne, when I look at the series, there really wasn't a whole lot of difference. Tampa Bay was a team that was just able to finish to win to win Game Seven and 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 to win the series and to do it in, 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 with Toronto and that hostile crowd, the two-time defending champs. Uh, you know, a lot of folks in Canada are saying dismantle the team, which is insane because you've got a 60-goal scorer out there, Matthews, and, and you have a good goaltender in Edwards. So you, you have a lot of pieces. They just need to do some tweaking, and Toronto will be right back in the thick of it. And they had an awful tough draw in the first round. There were eight teams, eight, that had over 100 points that all made the playoffs in the East. That's never happened in the NHL, but – to, to, in history, but you remember, you do get a loss for and a point for overtime. You do get that point overtime loss, so that does add up the point toll a little bit. But I, I can't wait for the second round because it, it makes the NBA playoffs look like they're standing still. Yeah, lightning could strike not once, not twice, but three times in the same It could. Place. You could see Champa Bay doing it yet again. Wayne, your final thought on the show this evening. Well, it's if, at the running the risk of having to fill another cup uh, for another test. I I'm, I kind of like Tampa Bay and St. Louis to go to the finals in the NHL. Wow! I mean, you know what? Well, I mean, St. Louis Wayne is going to have to earn it because they're playing the big boy Colorado, 
And, and, and when you look at the Blues, they've been there and done that. They've obviously had some roster changes uh, since their last, uh, you know, winning their first and only cup a few years ago. It is, I tell you what, it's it, any one of these, they could win it. It really, They really could. And, and, J.J., your father's a Blues fan, so, Indeed. you know, when he listens to this, he's going to go, he's going to like what Wayne said. He will. He will definitely like that. He was extremely happy. I know my grandfather is rolling over up there in heaven saying <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for that St. Louis Blues championship. Well, folks, that wraps up our show this evening. Uh, it's been a heck of a time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you like the content, please give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube, and give us a review on Apple or Spotify. For Todd Quarter, for Wayne Ridenauer in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee, I'm J.J. Jurjevich. If you want to hear something on the show, folks, give us a comment, and we'll talk about it next week. See you guys. Get you on.